0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton.
1: You're listening to In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey folks, welcome back. I'm Peter Capelli, professor of management here at the Wharton School. Dan O'Meara is again at the spa. Those of you who were listening earlier know that he's having the puff pastry treatment this week where they encrust you in pastry Mm -hmm. and you are under a tanning bed for a while until the pastry is toasty and apparently this removes toxins. Oh,
2: I thought that this is kind of the thing that hardens on your back and then you rip it off and all your hair hair comes comes off. off. Well, good. (laughs) That might happen, with too. The primal yell. Yeah. It's, it's a depilatory
1: and a sandwich. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same thing. And well, you anyway. know,
2: man and the tolerance for well, pain. For yeah. pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: supposed to be different. Um, so we'll see Dan when he comes back. With me is Ivan Baranki, Professor of Management and Business Economics here at the Wharton School. This half hour we got an interesting topic to talk about that might very well be on the mind of some of you folks because we've seen the demographics of our listeners and we know that it is not a younger crowd uh, that is listening and this is a question about what to do when you're getting close to retire and maybe you're not loving the job you're in and with this to Help us figure this out is Maury stettner who is reporter at Market watch and his article is called "How to Outlast a Job You Hate until you retire Maury welcome
0: thank you. good to be here
1: Maury, let me ask you how you got interested in this topic. Is there a personal interest in this? Should the folks at Market watch be concerned <laughs> what what made you do this one
0: no, it's funny because back in the uh Late 80s, after I graduated college, I worked at a big insurance company, and I remember vividly, this memory has stayed with me all these decades, and this is the seed of my interest. Yep. There were a lot of people in their late 50s, early 60s mm-hmm. who were just miserable, yep. and they mm-hmm. were counting the days, and it's just stayed with me. I've had a more entrepreneurial career, but still, mm-hmm. I thought, how are those people going to cope?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I have a, a colleague here who told me about a corporation he worked in for a while. And he said people would introduce themselves to you by the following uh, label. They would say, hi, I'm Peter. I'm seven and out. And seven and out meant they were seven years away from retirement. Hey, I'm Joan. I'm three and out. <laughs> right? So they're already thinking about retirement, sometimes years in advance. So uh, first question here, uh Maureen, that's uh, something you hear advice from lots of people, and that is, if you hate your job, just get out and do something different. Why is that not reasonable advice for lots of folks?
0: Well, it can be, in theory, mm-hmm. it's a matter of the variations in everyone's situation, yeah. and it can be not a particularly feasible option, depending on someone's circumstances, if they have certain, as I write about, financial uh, plan set in place, maybe they have a financial advisor or they 've conferred with you know their family, and they have a certain countdown right. until they know they will have this congratulatory uh, financial security date in mind mm-hmm. where they 'll mm-hmm. be able to achieve this illusory peace of mind, mm-hmm. then they might need to stay in place in a job that they dislike yep. to get to that point
1: yeah, and uh, this is for my uh, colleagues who are study careers, uh, just a little tip for them. Unfortunately, the evidence is pretty clear that if you've been in an organization for a while and you're getting near retirement, uh, if you quit that job and try to find another, it's not going to be pretty, right? You're not going to find another job that pays anywhere near as much as the job that you're in if you're in the corporate world and if you're in a place where you've been there for quite a while. So you're going to take a hit, and I think for lots of people, they just can't afford to take that hit if they quit. So I think that's the practical issue here. And let me just alert listeners, because, boy, this would be a good time to hear from some folks who are facing this situation themselves. And we're going to talk about how to cope about this. So let me give you our number again. Our number is one 844 warton There's an H in Wharton. Or 1-844-942-7866. So, Maury, you run into these folks, right, who yeah. are in the situation where they can't quit And they're there for quite a while, and they're not happy about what they're doing. So give us some help here. What do you recommend to these folks if they're in this situation?
0: A few uh, practical pointers for these individuals. Here are three I'll throw out there. Uh, One is you want to participate in organizations' activities that expand your horizons because if our daily experience is so narrow in scope, it's going to breed cynicism. Okay. And so specifically, that might mean volunteer activities outside your job. It might mean joining a consumer advisory board or customer advisory board if your company happens to have something like a focus group. Okay. Anything that will expand your, your experience and your understanding of beyond the narrow confines of the job that perhaps you've held for decades.
1: Okay, can I stop you on that one for a second? Sure. And make sure we understand this advice. So what you're suggesting really is if you hate the work you're doing, see if you could find in the same company some other tasks to do. And maybe you won't hate those so much, yeah?
0: Yeah, or even outside of your company just to expand what you're oh, doing. I what see. you're spending the evenings and weekends doing. Oh, okay. Even volunteering in the community can lead to communication with people and networking that could just enrich your daily life.
1: Okay, so this is kind of try to find some other outlet for your for your for your interest in things, yeah? Okay, yeah, makes sense. Uh, Remind folks here, we'd like to hear from you if you're in one of these situations, that as you're getting close to retirement, you really don't like your job, what do you do about it? Here's our number again, 1-844-942-7866. Okay, that's one helpful one. See if you can get out of what you're doing now, do something different. What else?
0: The second is more attitudinal. It relates to your frame of mind. And that would be, if you can spend more time during those hours that you are at work in a job you hate, with more positive people face-to-face, Okay. or at least over the phone. Okay. Because from a lot of the exposure I have to these people in their late 50s and 60s or what have you, they, there's a lot of email, there's a lot of texting, there's not a lot of human interaction that's non-cynical with positive Not necessarily, you know, overly cheerful, rosy people that drive you crazy, but just grounded people who might add a healthy perspective to your attitude. Have lunch with them, Mm -hmm. breakfast with them, take Mm -hmm. a walk around the block with them. Mm -hmm. More face-to-face or phone conversation with that sampling, that universe of people can at least help you upgrade your attitude to some degree.
1: Okay, and that's probably good advice anytime if you're in a negative job, right, is to see if you can... Hang out with people who are More positive um, But it's good advice too I think that We can get pretty negative if we're on Email all the time we're not talking to Other people so that's probably A, a helpful thing to think about And you got a third one what's that one
0: Yeah I would say that um, I know you, you had that excellent point before about the Fact that you know you if you try to apply for Other jobs don't expect to match Or exceed whatever income you yeah. now have It's mm-hmm. unlikely mm-hmm. but my third Point still seems to be Uh, an activity that could um, lead to something, and that would be just more aggressive networking outside of your workplace. Maybe apply for a job or two or at least schedule some information interviews, even if you're 64 or 63. It doesn't matter what age or what arc of your career you're in. Just to talk to people about different roles, responsibilities, sectors, even if that doesn't lead to, per se, a job offer. Okay. Okay. Those conversations can set in motion a series of faithful events that can lead to something very fruitful and Mm -hmm. it's hard to predict.
1: Okay. Um, Folks, just a reminder, give us a call. we got some folks on the line now, 1-844-942-7866. If you've had this experience or you're having it now of being in a job that you really are trying to just hang around and finish so you can retire, Rick's calling from Georgia. Rick, tell us about what you saw in your own experience here.
3: Well, I was in a telecommunications world in sales for probably 25, 30 years and did very well, make a couple hundred grand a year, had a wife and a kid and kids and all that stuff. So it was kind of the golden handcuffs. But towards the end, the corporation got really big, got real bureaucratic, um, and I just hated it. I mean, I hated Mm -hmm. hated it, I hated it. And I had friends of mine that were in real estate, and they loved it, and they loved it, and they loved it. So I went and got my real estate license, got that at night, and then I started piddling with it, you know, after work and weekends. And I started picking pick out some traction to the point that um, I just walked away from the corporate world and transitioned into something that I enjoy doing, you know, during the day or you know, work day or on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
1: so did you, Rick, did you tra- um, transition here kind of slowly or did you just say, oh, I got something else I want to do and dumped your job?
3: Well, um, there's a long story. I actually did it twice, but I did it slowly. And one time, I did it slowly, and then one time, I just pulled the plug and walked in and resigned. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Just walked in and resigned. Um, what happened? That actually happened in um, oh, I don't know, 2006 uh, you know, or so. I walked away from, you know, like I said, making a couple hundred grand. Just pulled the plug. And then about 2010, after, you know, the recession and all, uh, some folks called me back and they said, hey, you know, come back in to telecom. You did good. We'd love to have you. So I said, well, I'll do it if I can do both.
1: Okay. So hmm. I
3: was actually doing both. Okay. And then that got real, real bureaucratic and really bad and really bad. And then I just, uh, about a year and a half ago, just kind of pulled the plug again. They started downsizing and all that. It was just an ugly situation
2: mm-hmm. in the
3: corporate world. hmm and so now, you know I'm, I'm I'm doing what I enjoy and I'm making the same money. Oh good! Uh, and I've got lots of freedom, and I probably work as many hours, if not more, but it doesn't feel that way because I don't have the stress.
1: Because you like the and you like the work, yeah. Well, that's terrific, Rick. Thanks for that. That's, I'm glad that one worked out. And if you've had this experience as well, and you want to give us a call, we'd love to hear how you manage that. One eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So
2: so I think you know the I just want to use the the last word of uh, Rick I think that was the name of this caller yep. and the word was stress. Okay. Um you know the the remarkable thing is that you know stress that's not a new phenomenon and there's also a lot of research around what we can do to reduce and cope with stress. Mm-hmm. You know it is it is not really rocket science, you know, go for a walk, do mindfulness meditation which for those people who don't know it, uh, you sit there and think of nothing. Hard mm-hmm. uh, to do. You, mm-hmm. um, there might also be some uh, some some other things, but why is it that people can't uh, pursue these relatively simple um, strategies to to cope with stress? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that's a question, More. You got a sense of... Uh, you offer some of these tips here, but a lot of people find these hard to do, right? They haven't done them before.
0: Yeah, beyond the obvious stuff of just trying to adopt a wellness routine and meditate and clear your head, uh, I I would go beyond that and say that it's so true that stress can be demobilizing. So what you want to think about is choosing your thoughts and assessing the top two or three mental messages that you keep repeating over and over, like getting up Mm -hmm. in the morning. What are you saying? Like, I can't stand this. I, need, I, have, I was even struck by Rick, the caller, when he used the phrase, towards the end, and I thought, I mean, when he was talking about his old job, that he was, it was in decline, yeah. the company was becoming less uh, um, pleasing to him. Yep. I heard phrases like that all the time from the people that mm-hmm. I interviewed for this article. Mm-hmm. It's a sinking ship, towards the end it collapsed, it got so stressful, the place just isn't the same as it once was. Yeah. So when you start to repeat those things, that doesn't mean it's inaccurate. But repeating that only is going to make you feel worse.
1: That's true. Yep, that's certainly true. You know, let's uh, let's see if we can uh, confine this topic a little bit, because many of the things we've been talking about are true generally. The unique context here, though, is that you are going to leave, right? <laughs> right? If everything goes as planned, you're going to be out of there. And I think because of that, uh, you have a slightly different set of strategies, right? So this is not... Uh, a case where this is a job where you've got to be, you you may have to be here for a very long time, and you're trying to do things to improve the job itself, or you're trying to change your head. Uh, in a case like this, you're just trying to get to the finish line, right? And the finish line is the retirement date where you get your full financial needs, or maybe you get your pension if you still have a pension plan. And so making it to the end point is the key point there one of the things you talk about, which I think is a, certainly a good thing, is to keep that endpoint in mind, right? To be thinking about, okay, here's why I'm doing this, and I'm going to live like this as soon as this ends, yeah?
0: Yes, visualizing how it will be can help, but then if that becomes too much of an um, obsession which some of the people I chatted with talked about how it almost overwhelmed them, thinking that in you know, 872 days, oh, really? I would be able oh. to. They would count down, and some people oh. had these elaborate systems. Yeah. It became something that they really thought about much of the day. Yeah. So I would add to your point, Peter, just the importance of being somewhat nimble and flexible in your thinking, because even if you do have a date where you're going to leave and you have a plan in place, it helps to be able to adjust your thinking because, of course, plans are fluid, and maybe review your financial situation and maybe rethink, with the help of a financial advisor or your spouse and family, ways in which you might tweak the plan to stay more sane or to mm-hmm. preserve what sanity you still have.
1: Yeah, uh, folks, we're talking with Maurice Stetner, who is a reporter for Market Watch, about his article "How to Unlast Outlast sorry, a Job You Hate Until You Can." Retire. Uh, Let me suggest uh, what I'm sure maybe some of our more cynical colleagues might say to this, and and that is, how do we deal with uh, just put your feet up and do nothing? (laughs) Now, I should say I've had uh, relatives who did this. They knew they were leaving, and they just kept their heads down and did nothing for a year. And honestly, nobody knew. Is that a strategy that would work for people?
0: Uh, I don't know if it'll work, but a lot of people certainly do it. <laughs> yeah, right. I know in Japan, I read this recently, there's a term for people at that arc in their career, like window gazing or window dressing. I can't remember the exact term, but oh, there's nice. a certain class of workers who just check out mentally.
1: Yeah, uh, and certainly a lot of things like stress get far easier if you don't care, <laughs> if you just don't care about it, uh, and it doesn't matter to you, and you know you're going to be out of there. You know, a lot of things, just, you know, giving up may <laughs> really can reduce stress. But here's what I worry about. In yeah, terms a of... lot
2: of countries would have gone uninvaded in, during the history of mankind. <laughs> People just wouldn't care. <laughs> well,
1: that is, of course, the counter to this. And that is we don't want you to get fired, right? Uh, and that is a non-trivial concern, particularly, I think, in, in the U.S., as companies are constantly looking as to how to trim dead wood, as they say. And certainly it's illegal to, hire, to fire people just because they are older. Age discrimination is illegal. On the other hand, a lot of companies are trying to look at how to get rid of expensive people, even if they wouldn't say so. And if you put your feet up, um, there's a pretty good chance that they might say, ah, excellent time to get rid of this uh, highly paid person who is at the end of their career anyway. Let's fire them. So we don't want that to happen. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Suppose you're in an organization that has, you know, it's not an organization where you can easily just put your feet up. Uh, On the other hand, you're not gung-ho about the job anymore. So is there a way you can not be gung-ho, make it to the end, and not get fired?
0: Well, it's compartmentalizing mentally because if you uh, put your feet up, as you say, there's all kinds of built-in risk to doing that. It maybe will reduce your stress, but the offsetting negative of that strategy, of course, is if you work in an organization, Uh, that has phrases like, you know, bring your whole self to work. Right. You know, the the founder of Athena Healthcare, I know, would tell people that. And many other leaders and entrepreneurs, they demand that you, you know, join the softball team. And it's like the cult Mm. of of, of working at a certain organization, and they foster that. And if you're rolling your eyes or you don't care, you're going to ultimately be ostracized. And even if, whether you're fired or not, you're going to be excluded. Um, It can lead to a downhill spiral in terms of your interactions with your peers. So I don't know if necessarily there's an easy way to do that, but Mm -hmm. I would say to calibrate it properly, I would suggest that you don't announce to anyone explicitly, I'm checking (laughs) out, I don't care, I'll put my feet up, and you just sort of (laughs) quietly grind it out.
1: Yeah. Now, that's certainly good advice, right? Keep this to yourself, uh, because there are lots of people who will learn about it saying something like that, and that's probably not uh, something that's going to get you to the end. I think one of the things to remember, though, is that you're not trying to build a career anymore. And so there's all kinds of things that might be useful if you were trying to build a career that you don't have to do anymore, right? Uh, You don't have to necessarily impress people. Um, You don't have to be competitive with other people. You can give all that stuff up. You're just trying to get to the end of this job without getting fired. And the way you get fired is by being noticed, right? So I think lots of people have figured out the skill Of how to lay low and not be noticed, right?
0: That's interesting. Yeah, they maybe figured out that skill. But um, if you're not trying to build a career, which is true, you may still yearn for some intellectual curiosity or embrace a mentoring opportunity to some person, a young person at your organization early in the pipeline, there Mm -hmm. still might be ways to engage.
1: Mm -hmm. So your point is you could find some other things that maybe you like and do those even if you hate the job and you're staying away from your current boss who's somebody you hate. Right.
0: Exactly. You could find other avenues for your energy or ways to deploy your energy in hopefully neutral to positive ways.
1: Right. So let's talk maybe a little bit more about reasons why you might hate your job at that point you're getting toward the end. Let's suppose it is a relationship with your current boss, let's say. Uh, what do you think about strategies like trying to step down in a position, say— You know, go apply for another job in the organization that's at lower pay just to get away from your current boss. Is that something that you think would work at that point in your career?
0: Uh, It can work. I actually did talk to some people who stepped down or or, or made a lateral move just to get away from a toxic boss. Okay. And most of those stories I heard were quite successful, Um, even though it might lead to you know working, driving. A commute might be 35 minutes instead of 10 minutes or whatever. It could lead to certain offsetting negatives. Um, But I would also throw one other possibility if you have a boss that you can no longer tolerate, which is to redirect your uh, energy in terms of your relationships within the organization to others who might open doors for you. So you might have a passing relationship with a key leader at the organization, but who barely knows you or only knows you like in a committee around a a table. Mm -hmm. And if you can maybe get to know that person over breakfast or two or three people like that, that can actually work out really well
1: yeah I think um I'm gonna talk just for a little bit about how to not get fired if you're if you're withdrawing your effort, and my sense is that in many organizations which are bad places to work, one of the key things that they look at is face time right, right. uh they're trying to figure out are you still here a lot so one of the things I'd be careful about is withdrawing time face time from the organization, so if you can find ways to Keep yourself from being irritated while you're still in the office. Um, That's probably useful. I think it starts to be risky if you start to think, well, I'm going to take longer lunches. I'm going to leave earlier. That kind of stuff is the risk factor in terms of getting fired. Uh, And seeing if there are other ways you could maybe mentally withdraw or something, you know. You're looking at me puzzling Yvonne. No, no, no. Um, you, th- you think about how to apply this ourselves? No, no.
2: I, I just, I just <laughs> had to think there's this Gordon <laughs> Shlansky figure and the and the um, Conan O'Brien TV show. So he has this one employee uh, where nobody knows what he does. Yeah. And so it became kind of the running joke where he just invades into his office and challenges him into like. What do you do? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then he comes up with his hollow phrases. You know, I'm an executive producer. I'm in charge of many things. Yeah.
1: I prioritize. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about strategy here. Um, And that's, boy, there's a good idea, too. You can see if you can get yourself on task forces that are not going to report until after you retire. (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) There you go. And you could duck out just at the end. Uh, Maury, what are some of the most interesting things you heard from people in terms of how they were dealing with this situation?
0: Uh, Some of the most interesting comments came from people who were at wit's end, because my heart went out to them, and coping mechanisms were few, because they had tried so many. I I think of one individual who had a uh, checklist, and he shared with me, he was 63, all the different strategies he tried. You know, I did try mentoring people. I volunteered to join all these committees. He worked for a very, very large company and mm-hmm. still does. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tried to work for, I cultivated this other executive VP because I can't stand my boss. Yeah. That was abortive. I mean, he just went down this list. And it was interesting because I finally asked him, so how do you tolerate this every day? He had, I think, another three years, if I remember correctly. Oh, wow. And he just said, at this point, it's kind of like what we talked before about not caring. He just said, when I get to the office, I park the car, and when I walk in the front door, I'm an actor in a movie. Ah,
1: yeah, very interesting, very interesting idea. I'm playing a role, my heart is not in this, I know this, um, and turning it into kind of a game, I guess. Exactly. But I think, you know, you make a great point there, I think, and that is the most difficult thing for people in these environments where they hate their job, is their interactions with the people there, Right. And if they could do this work and not see the people, it wouldn't bother them so much. So, you know, if there's a way to kind of get away physically from the people, work on projects someplace else, um, see if you could maybe even get transferred or something, you know, that's probably an, an interesting way to, to think about it as well. Adam's calling from Florida and has probably got an experience sort of like this. It looks like Adam, welcome.
4: Hey, nice to, nice to talk to you guys. Good. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, you know, I've been I've been running a business uh, since uh, probably seventeen years now. Okay. And, and working full time at the same time. I made I made my separation uh, when I decided. Hey, I, I like to do this, you know, for the rest of my life. But I can't work in that business and operate my own business at the same time. So okay. I decided to split my career into two paths. And now I'm at a dividing point where in my career, you know, I, I, I enjoy what I do technically on a full-time basis, but my, my business is so busy, mm-hmm. I um, need to figure out how to make that separation. And, I, I you know, I know a clean break is an easy thing to do mm-hmm. for many people, but when you have a family and, and all these other things going on at the same time, it's it's difficult.
1: Right. So, so. It, is, Adam, is your goal here to see if you can stall the... Exit from your career job until your business is big enough that you can make the switch. Is that the idea?
4: Yeah, that, that's the idea. It's that in, and we're kind of restricting ourselves by not being—we're not being able to grow because of me not separating myself from my full-time career. Okay. So,
1: so, so you—you
4: know—I I, the perfect world, I'd, I'd go to a part-time career and dedicate, you know, full-time into my into my—you know—go to like, let's just say on a consulting basis, so yeah. my full-time career, right. But so, it's very difficult to do down in Florida because it's a we you know it's a very conservative workforce down here. Yeah,
1: so they're not going to let you work part time or or you know work from home. And most that kind companies of stuff. won't. Yeah,
4: you know, they'll you know, they'll tell you that they can work something out with you, but most companies most, most companies don't have that so ability.
1: When you're at your career job, your your sort of full time with benefits job, is it uh, you find it irritating to do that job because you got this business you're trying to grow elsewhere? Is it?
4: No, it's it's, it's challenging and, okay. and and it's yeah it's definitely there's definitely a reward to the to the to the job itself okay um but but knowing that you know there is there is that level of stress and I'd say in the past you know three years four years once I made the decision to to change what I get stressed out about that's helped
1: okay well that's good um
4: you know so so Mm -hmm. and you know it it does result in me working a lot more hours during the week but because it's something I enjoy doing not you know my, my business is something I enjoy doing. That kind of work doesn't really stress me out.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: Uh, but, but, you know, it's, uh, but it's definitely, um, you know, finding that avenue. I was, I was going to look up, uh, I was going to read this article that you guys are talking about because it, there's a lot of similar things that I'm seeing in my career paths that I could probably learn from.
1: Good. We'll ask uh, Maury, maybe you get the last word on this. Maury, any advice uh, for Adam here? He's got this problem of a job he kind of needs to keep. Uh, he doesn't hate it, but he is being sort of torn in the other direction. He's got to have more time if he's going to grow his business. What? Do you, any thoughts for Adam? When I
0: heard him say consultant, and, you know, the idea of, embracing up op, uh, entrepreneurial opportunities on the side or you know adopting that free agent mentality that we've been talking about for the last decade or so even if you could just n- not necessarily generate income on the side but boost your visibility in your industry or yep. area of interest speak mm-hmm. at conferences provide technical assistance to novices in your industry just kind of find these other pathways to contribute and who knows where that can lead
1: yeah yeah. Adam, good luck with this. I uh, hope that goes well. And Maury, it's probably time we should let you go. Thanks very much for being with us. Maury Steitner is a reporter at Market Watch, and his article is How to Outlast a Job You Hate Until You Can Retire. You can find that online. We're going to take a break here, and we're going to come back in just a minute and talk about things in the news. So hang on there.
2: For more insight from Business Radio, please
0: visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.